It's just plain wrong that getting a good night's sleep is so hard. You know, sleep doesn't have to be this hard. There is a faster way to get better sleep. Sleep Takeout gives you real practical sleep solutions and your questions answered. I'm Dr. Bond, and I'm a licensed psychologist. And I'm Dr. Satuni, and I'm a board-certified sleep and pulmonary physician. And we're here to talk to you about sleep advice without a pill. This Sleep Takeout podcast is for information and entertainment purposes. This podcast is not intended as professional or legal advice. Podcasts are not treatment. Sleep disorders and mental health conditions need to be individualized with the healthcare provider. Sleep Takeout is not a replacement for professional advice or recommendations. So help your friends sleep better. Share the Sleep Takeout podcast with them and be sure to rate and review this episode on your favorite podcast app. Welcome back. <laughs> welcome back, guys. Hey, welcome back, Sleep Nation. All right. I'm, so I'm, I'm going to explain. So Dan's going to talk in one second. But um, today we're going to talk about sleep oh, studies and sleep apnea. Face. And um, he's he's trying on a CPAP for the very first time today. And he's um, he's going to try and talk to us about his experience. Oh, I have a happy face. I've tried to get the happy face. <laughs> But I keep getting the sad face. <laughs> you sound like the uh, little people in um, The Wizard of Oz. I sound like I have helium. <laughs> like I've been like sniffing helium balloons. <laughs> so he is um, he's running a mask fit on a auto CPAP, and it's giving him more and more pressure. So we could barely hear the air pressure when he's starting out, and then now it keeps giving him more and more air. I have a happy face maximum. back. So and so, tell me, walk me through. It's up. It's putting more and more pressure. But when I open my mouth, I feel like I have air, like flowing out of my vocal cords. <laughs> okay, so w- today we're reviewing CPAP and particularly auto CPAP, and that'll just be what we talk about today. Absolutely, um, I'm auto. I'm automatized. <laughs> and and I'll put a link to the show notes about the particular one that he tried. I have these oh, yeah, are old machines, and I. I have. Have you turned it off? I didn't do anything. I think it ran the mass fit, and you you mostly oh. passed. Okay. <laughs> so push the push the on button, so you can you can keep here in the back button. So the on the top, yep, right there, perfect. Oh, and cool. hit it again. It's on the left, yeah, there you go. Okay. So um, so he's using an auto CPAP. It's um a ResMed auto CPAP that I also have removed the f- memory foam from or the sound abatement foam because I it was possibly being used by an ozone cleaner which is the true thing that destroys these cpap machines um and he's wearing a resmed mask um because it's a really popular one so i figured he'd he'd probably be able to tolerate it real well it's a nasal pillow it does feel nice on my nose like i don't feel like and so what cpap does is it takes air from the room and it you go through a filter and then it pressurizes it with a motor and then it pressurizes it to a certain centimeter water pressure and what auto CPAPs do is is we have a minimum pressure where it pressurizes it to and then if the machine senses that there's any airflow resistance in the back of the throat it actually gives you a little bit more and it does that until it senses no resistance and then it hangs out there for a little bit and if it hangs out there for a little bit and still senses no resistance it actually backs itself down so this is this is really the true reason that auto CPAPs became quite popular since I don't know, maybe early 2010, 2011, yeah. 2012, because, 
because it really negates the reason why you wouldn't like why a healthy person would need a titration study. So another night in a sleep lab with all the wires hooked up where you're being monitored because the machine algorithm really does <clears throat> check for airflow. Okay. And then it gives you just what you need at that time. And then the, the sleep providers, hopefully, that are, are monitoring these people or the home care companies should be alerted if the machine's not addr addressing it appropriately. So talking to the patient, do you feel like you're getting too much pressure, not enough pressure? And they generate reports from the inside of the machine, which transmit to the provider or the home care or hopefully both, and it also has a little chip that the patient can actually um, monitor themselves with these, these apps and provide feedback. Um, but they're really not cruel and unusual punishment devices, but they do take some getting used to. Yeah, there's, there's definitely like a learning curve. So I'm auto CPAPs so and regular CPAPs, they do, they do take about a week or two to just mm -hmm. even get used to putting something on your body, you mm -hmm. know, at night. Right. Um, I mean, even when we review a pillow or a body positioner, it takes a little time to get used to doing something every night. Um, but in pe people with sleep apnea in particular, this is life changing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Like I can feel the pressure when I'm not talking <laughs> and I sound funny. But when my mouth is closed and I'm not talking, like it's actually a lot easier to breathe. So this treats uh, snoring because it, that is another um, – snoring is the sound of a turbulent airflow, maybe mm -hmm. something that has, you know, redundant tissue or – Or if you got tonsils or big tonsils. Big tonsils yeah. or stuffiness with your nose. So, mm -hmm. so CPAPs by themselves also treat snoring. They just don't, are not deemed medically necessary for snoring. Mm. Um, but I mean, this isn't cosmetic, I think. <laughs> Um, but it, it does help in, in households, like in terms of improving uh, bed partner satisfaction mm -hmm. with uh, decreasing the snoring or not hearing somebody gasp and choke. But it is te technically a medical device, so it needs a prescription to get one on your own. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> there are devices that are not electronic and are not as adjustable like this that also can need a, a prescription or a little cones that can go in your nose to either pressurize with a back pressure that, right. that are also very, very helpful. Yeah. So Well, and we've tried other things like the, the tape before, which we didn't really recommend um, or advise on. But there's lots of different things that can help. And then there's also those breathe strips. The breathe right strips, yeah. yep. Yeah. And because those are not specifically to treat a medical condition as much as a nuisance of either opening your nose, I mean, sorry, opening your mouth or having your nose closed, they are available two people mm -hmm. so wow so do you think it's like everything that you thought it was going to be um well I, you know because i've done them with the masks i've mm -hmm. just never actually had them turned on before because usually when i'm working with clients it's about the the phobia kind of response with the mask mm -hmm. um, but it is different like with the airflow like actually coming through like takes it to a different dimension it does it's i can see but i can also see like the forced airflow part is a whole other experience so absolutely so um i can tell you with the one that you're using in particular you you're not used to having anything in your nostrils so mm -hmm. it is it does make you a little sore the next day True. it's kind of like wearing new pair of shoes for the first day mm, gotta break in your nostrils <laughs> 
What happens if, like, do you get dried out, like, nasal passages? And I imagine, like, lips, you need some good, like, lip balm. Well, that's why they come with pretty standard with a humidifier since probably early 2000s mm-hmm. um, because that did improve uh, patient satisfaction and compliance. They also um, make a saline gel for the nostril area, you mm-hmm. know, so that it is kind of like a balm of mm-hmm. sorts. But petroleum products actually break down the silicone in the mask so that's why you want to use some saline based type of products and something that's not goopy that's gonna you know fall into your mouth Mm -hmm. um you also don't want to use a lot of products that are going to dry you out too much because then the forced pressurized air um most people tolerate it quite well Mm -hmm. wow and so if you're thinking like are there like levels of like your your cpap like is there a good better best in terms of like what they do or comfort or fit or well, so auto CPAPs, they just pressurize the air. So no, they're, they're really all built to be the same. Mm-hmm. Um, where I think that there's probably fancier versions and not is the software to provide feedback to the provider or to the patient. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other is just the sleekness of the design. So I have patients choose their machine based on what they think would look best on their nightstand table. Mm, so yeah. th- this one kind of looks like a little alarm clock, but... Maybe an alarm clock from, like, the 90s, early 2000s. It reminds me of a little Bose stereo system, but you notice that that screen goes completely dark so that you don't have to have lights on. Mm -hmm. That little sensor right in front of where I put that sticker, um, that's a light sensor. So if it's light or dark, it should turn on and off, so it'll kind of alert itself. Um, But when you turn the machine off, it's supposed to provide you some feedback between like how many hours you used it and what your your index is Mm -hmm. and whether your mask fit. So has anyone ever combined this with like a sound machine and aromatherapy? Absolutely. ResMed actually makes aromatherapy that goes right in the hose, a little disc that you put things on. Uh, They've also made some things you can put in the water. Again, the filter, you could easily drop a drop of essential oil on there. Ooh. I think it's its own sound machine, a little white noise type yeah, of machine. Yeah, I hear it. Yeah, I um, hear it. And this one, like I said, is particularly loud because I have removed the sound abatement foam from it. But as you can tell, and again, we haven't listened to the audio, but we are looking at the recording. Oh, yeah. I don't I don't see that we're having a ton until he here, break the seal, take it out of your nostril. When he does that, I mean, you can definitely see it. But again, it's still really not it's like that we're bad. In a hurricane. No, it's actually it's it's this the the pillow is actually fairly comfortable. Yeah, this this by far is probably one of the more popular. Now, ones. what what are the different like head mask, face mask? So I call get? the mask that you're using right now because I'm not going to use na- names per se, but I call this one the string bikini. Okay. Oh. So one of the drawbacks of a string bikini, whether it's on your head in a CPAP or in your bathing suit is you're going to be adjusting this one a fair mm-hmm. amount because it'll shift depending on what position you are. The hose is kind of heavy if you're going from side to side, and you'll just be adjusting it. The other types of masks are just as nice and slinky, except they have more attachments to your, your head, and a lot of times they're either going to have a snap or a hook or a Velcro, but it'll be more like a harness that you would put like as far oh. as like a collar on a dog. Uh-huh. And we use, we use those a lot more in uh, very active sleepers or kids um, because you, it's harder to kind of get off, but it's also a lot harder to kind of get on the first time. So they all have quick releases. So if you have mm. to get up to go to the bathroom or 
go check on something, you you can definitely uh, quick release. That technically is not quick release, but yeah, you could break the seal from there. That you, uh, you can break that one here, break that one, and you'll kind of hear that air. Oh yeah, I hear that. Okay, so if you gotta go to the restroom, pull it yeah, off. you can do that. Oh, okay. Um, but people who can't breathe through their nose at all obviously would not like one that just goes underneath their nose, so they go on to a full face mask. But, mm -hmm. you know, in your practice life, if you do have somebody that's, that's a little bit more claustrophobic, mm -hmm. there's no need, like, in the, in the 90s where people had this, this straight yeah, big piece of plastic different. on their face. Yeah. That is so 20 years ago. Right. Um, so if someone's really having trouble with tolerating it, you know, sit, find out what they actually are having trouble with. And I'll tell you mo more people than not have trouble with the fact they don't like touching and having to fix it all night. Mm -hmm. So they actually might want something that is, goes either underneath their nose and provides like a clear field of vision, mm -hmm. but that doesn't, um, require as much re mm -hmm. removing and reattach reattaching everything. Yeah, like adjustment for, for stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then this this tubing, you said it heats up at times. Too. Yeah, so the tubing that you have attached is the one that is made specifically for this ResMed machine. It's called Climate Line, and it has a copper coil that goes through it. And what that does is, especially if you were in a colder environment than Florida, you would have um, the, the heat would not dissipate between the bottom heat plate where the humidifier comes out and the uh, air itself. So it would kind of heat it up to your mask. Interesting. <clears throat> but, but really, it's not it, like it, steaming. It's, no, okay. it, it just provides less of that uh, dissipation of any of the humidity. And the humidity is not there to make you, you warmer, but cold air is kind of annoying to the airway and the environment um, of the upper airway. And then it can make people cough or have more irritants. Mm -hmm. So most people tolerate fine either way. Do people get a lot of dry mouth with this? Like, do you need to have drinks of water in the middle mm -hmm. of the night? Okay. No, the path of least resistance should be down into your lungs, so it should not be going into your mouth. Mm -hmm. The reason why it's going into your mouth now is you're fully awake. You're probably a little scared, and um, yeah, a little bit, yeah. And um, you know, you so the ma the mouth and the neck muscles are pretty engaged. I, I feel like I can almost whistle with the air coming out of my mouth. So one of the fun things I like to try with it on is when you uh, try and yawn. Um, but yawn with your mouth closed. It'll, the path of least resistance is now the eustachian tube, so you actually feel it kind of where your ears are. Oh, yeah. 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 So people will use this to kind of uh, help reset kind of their ears. Their ears get plugged. Does it help with, yeah, with, oh, interesting. Yeah. Wow. Helps with a lot of allergies. So I actually really like using it because it has a yeah, HEPA filter. Yeah, you told me. And, you and use it even though you don't have sleep apnea. Right. So tell me, what do you, what do you get out of it? Um, I think the HEPA filter actually helps direct if for indoor allergens. I mm -hmm. think that a lot of that is, and obviously this is very off-label usage for it, sure. um, without requiring an extra HEPA container. Um, and again, I, maybe it's just me being like middle-aged, but also I think a lot of people will pick up or have snoring periodically, um, and it really takes care of all of that. See, look how quiet you got just by closing your mouth. I know. Well, and then I, I adjusted this up. Yeah. And My again, that's how it would be. Well, that's how it would be if you were lying down. But right, you're, you're right. sitting here like leaning forward and nervous. So mm. you can you can graduate to the uh, recliner and you can oh, see. Yeah. Well, I feel like I need this. And then we did those positional things last time. And, and then, oh, and I need a thigh pillow. I feel like I want the full like 
Beautiful. We're going to have to do that when we have our retreat is uh, have all the things that we reviewed, you know, available. Yeah, for trying out. You guys should try them out, too. And then you can tell us what you really think about it. Absolutely. But um, no, CPAPs are just one treatment that we have for sleep apnea. But um, I wanted to talk about it particularly today because we're going to talk a little bit about sleep testing and why Mm -hmm. they're done. Yeah. Um, And I think one of the biggest reasons why I hear that someone or a spouse has not uh, gotten a sleep test is they're they already know they have sleep apnea. This is a, the testing is a formality. It's kind of like if you know you need to lose weight, you don't need the scale to tell you that you need to lose weight. You, right, you, you already know. So traditionally, sleep testing was done in a sleep center, mm-hmm. um, which, again, most of them were traditionally in hospitals. Sure. And yeah, so you spend the night there. You spend the night in a hospital, in a hospital bed, in a wacky room, and mm-hmm. nobody's there with you. Right. And you get hooked up from head to toe. There's uh, some of my favorites are these far side cartoons where, you know, they hook this person up. There's like five video screens, you know, that are up. There's 10 people in the room and there's all these wires and they say, okay, now, you know, Mr. Smith, you can go to sleep now. And so a lot of people have fears that they're not going to fall asleep at the sleep lab and that they're, they're going to be uncomfortable and they're going to be in a hospital bed and it's going to be a very clinical Mm -hmm. setting. Um, sleep centers probably in the late 90s, early 2000s, they started being more, much more independent, separate from hospitals. So they may be affiliated with a hospital, but then they would be across the street, sure. you know, and maybe at more of like a motel type mm-hmm. of setting. And so I call them the, the, the motel room that you didn't sign up for. Mm-hmm. Um, so they are in full-size beds, uh, uh-huh. sometimes even adjustable beds. Nice. Um, they are usually in places that are not very used. So if it, even if it were in a hospital or a, like a medical type of office building, it would be in a wing that's not going to have night people that are there. So. Okay. There's a technologist that's in the other room. Mm-hmm. There may or may not be another patient in yeah. another room next door, but you are in a room by yourself. Okay. And oftentimes another person could come with you. Um, they're strongly advising against that other piece, person being videotaped for other, other reasons. So that person might be in a recliner or in a, sure. in a cot in the room. But that provides some reassurance to maybe a kid who's having a sleep test or right. – um, a, a spouse or a family member that's having a sleep study, they generally frown upon other creatures in the room. Um, oh, so obvious, you can't bring your dog or cat. Right. So oh. they've just had some issues from a liability standpoint. And animals are pretty um, protective of their, sure. their, their owner parents. Mm. So that can become a, a safety issue for the person. But uh, not, it's not unreasonable, so you can ask. Sure. You can ask. But I most of the time they are avoiding having an, another right. animal in there. But I feel like in lab, like these types of sleep studies have actually declined as of late because so of that's this a, new thing. That's yeah. a good point. But, yeah. you know, when we talk about having a sleep study for different sleep disorders, mm-hmm. not specifically sleep apnea, this is uh-huh. the sleep disorder. So you right. sleep at a time that you normally go to sleep mm-hmm. and you're observed, audio tape, videotape, and all sure. these extra wires. Early, like, 2000, maybe the late 90s, home sleep testing turned into something. And it's because sleep apnea is such a common problem. Mm -hmm. And they figured out you actually only need two or three wires to test for sleep apnea. Um, But remember, a sleep apnea type of home test, you know, I would call it almost a screening type of test. It's just recording your breathing 
and your oxygen level, mm -hmm. okay? So you have airflow sensor in front of your nose. There's usually like a little third arm in front of your mouth and a belt that goes across your chest to watch your chest rise and fall. But it doesn't tell you anything about sleep. So it should be called a sleep apnea test, mm -hmm. like a screening test, not right. a sleep study, because you won't know about your stages of sleep. You won't know how much of the time that you spend awake. So when a home sleep test comes out abnormal from a sleep apnea perspective, it doesn't say, oh, you have a normal sleep test. It says you have at least mild, moderate, or severe sleep apnea. Mm -hmm. It's like a pregnancy test saying you're at least pregnant. Sure. It doesn't tell you how far along are you right, or right. what's happening with the baby um, or happening, what's happening with your body, you mm -hmm. know, from being pregnant. So sure. I will tell you it came out out of, out of necessity, and now insurance have, have said, oh, well, all sleep problems must be sleep apnea. Sure, and they you start with a home test typically as, as the sequence. Well, and again, yeah. this, this is where we can kind of debate is if yeah. we know you have sleep apnea, yeah, you start so that your insurance pays for the treatment. But if someone's coming to you for insomnia or nighttime awakenings or right. bad dreams or sleepwalking, a home sleep test is not appropriate mm -hmm. in any way, shape, or form unless we know that we have to treat the sleep apnea. Sure. So, yeah. you know, I don't think most people will go get a test done with a sleep specialist as much as they go to a primary or they've, mm -hmm. they've been accused. They come out with like a, a sleep test that, that says, oh, I'm completely normal. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't have any sleep disorders. Knowing full well they do. Sure. They just now have a test that says they don't. Right. And, um, and th this, is, this can become a problem. Um, but I have a, quite a few people that will do a test. You know, they'll get the equipment, they'll take it home, they'll use it from 4 to 8 p.m., return it, and the sleep center gives them gives that to the doctor to read. Knowing, you know, the sleep center said, you know, you're wearing it while you're sleeping. The patient's like, well, I'm not going to wear it while I'm sleeping. Cause right. what, if I, right. what if I have something? And now they return a test, and your doctor or the sleep lab calls you say, oh, you don't have sleep any sleep problems. You don't have to follow up. So it's really important that you know what it is. But, yeah, sure. home testing is a type of testing that we can do for sleep, looking mm -hmm. for sleep apnea. So really they should call it a totally different name. They absolutely should. Yeah. But they shouldn't be called an at-home sleep test study. It's a sleep apnea test. Yeah. Right. So it's a home screening one. Um, there's other sleep tests that are done during the day where they actually ask you to stay awake and they look to see if you fall asleep. Um, and we do these in pilots and commercial drivers or in people who have um, epilepsy mm -hmm. that are trying to get their driver's licenses back um, or in people that say that, you know, they are maybe they'll they're looking for a disability and they're saying they can't possibly stay awake sure. uh, during the day so they couldn't sleep. And then they they do this test and you're recorded with your brainwaves with nothing else in the room, nothing going on. And you you show that. You can stay awake for 40 minutes each time. It's very hard for someone without a sleep disorder to fall asleep sitting straight up with nothing to do with all their, you know, their brain hardwired. It's right. it's very nerve-wracking unless you have a sleep disorder. And what they'd be looking at if someone was maybe trying to falsify a study mm -hmm. like that is your brain waves would tell you if you're actually asleep or not. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. I would, I would want my pilot to uh, be able to stay awake even if nothing oh, was yeah. going on. There's another one where they actually ask you to take naps during the day and uh -huh. see if you go to sleep because certain stages of sleep uh -huh. you cannot go into unless it's been an hour and a half. And so if you do go into this type of sleep within 20 minutes, 
it's a different type of sleep disorder. And we do that uh, most oh. commonly for narcolepsy. Yeah. So narcolepsy is kind of a disorganized sleep-wake disorder right. where your brain doesn't know when it's supposed to be awake, when it's supposed to be asleep, and what type of sleep that you're supposed to go into. Uh -huh. So it's abnormal if on any of these two opportunities to nap, you go into REM. And that would normally right. take people uh, an hour and a half. And the, the, the nap opportunity stops at 20 minutes. So whether or not you've fallen asleep or not, uh -huh. if you have, have fallen asleep, what type of sleep do you go into? A sleepy person might fall asleep in five minutes. Right. You know, you or I might fall asleep in five minutes. Right. That would be in stages one or two. Yeah, Very or three if yeah. you're real sleep deprived. Yeah. Um, where, where that test actually can be, you know, a false positive is uh -huh. if – if you're on a medicine that suppresses your REM and you go off of it very quickly. So wow. we usually have to give pretty good directions going in. Okay. Um, but th this is why kind of that field of sleep medicine, you have to put a lot of pieces together sure. uh, because doing the wrong test really produces very different results. Yeah. Um, and it can make someone very frustrated. Yeah. You know, if you send one, someone to a sleep lab for a titration study for simple sleep apnea and the, te the technician at night actually gives you way too much pressure, you can make somebody have central sleep apnea and stop breathing. Oh, wow. I can do it to any person. Right. And then all of a sudden, if they don't recognize it and someone is reading the test and not recognizing that they stop breathing, the more the pressure goes up, uh -huh. the answer would be, again, even a non-sleep specialist would say, well, lower the pressure. You won't cause them to have so many problems. And that's what they should do. Uh -huh. But if someone doesn't recognize it, now they get to go back and they get accused of having what's called complex sleep apnea, oh, and they gosh. get put on an even fancier machine called a BiPAP. Wow. Which is, um, some of those are almost like ventilators. Uh -huh. And if you put a normal person with a little bit of sleep apnea that you gave too much pressure on a BiPAP, that person's never going to use it because they have all their faculties and can breathe just fine, right. and now all of a sudden you're forcing forced pressure down their throat, and that does not feel good. Sure. Um, wow. So. so really, you have to be specific as to what kind of sleep study you're referring to. Absolutely. Yeah. So. And then know how to interpret the results of it. Right. Versus just saying, oh, I'm just going to get a sleep study ordered. That can mean lots of different sleep things. Sleep is, is fascinating, and yeah. with any any field, there's some diagnostic testing. But sure. if you don't have the right tools to interpret the diagnostic testing, like yeah. if you use Google to you know sure. to do this, and you don't Dr. have Google. have right. that information, you can become very confused and frustrated. So yeah. I hope this demystifies a little bit about sleep testing. Yeah, I know this was super helpful. Like this is good information to know. And all of our listeners there, if you have more questions about this or have any other follow-up, absolutely feel free to reach out and send us your questions or find us on Twitter, and we'll be happy to kind of chat more about it next time. So absolutely. thanks, Michelle. This was super informative. Great. Well, until next time. We'll see you then, Sleep Nation. All right. Take care. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Sleep Takeout. We hope that you found our discussion on sleep valuable. Help your friends to sleep better. You can share the Sleep Takeout podcast with them and be sure to rate and review this episode on your favorite podcast app. Remember, Sleep Nation, sleep well. Dream big. And wake up refreshed. Bye. Bye.